right, so happy Palm Sunday. I'm just going to introduce myself. My name is Victoria Rosa Garcia. I am the wife of the handsome and gorgeous Dominic Garcia. We're going to celebrate him because he's got a big job being married to me, all right? So, yes, big job. I love that guy. And so today's talk, we're going to be talking about generational curses, generational cycles, generational uh, patterns in our lives. And so if we can throw up the resources for this talk up on the screen for me. So I'm going to be talking, and these two books are resources for this topic. So if you like this topic and you want to get further into this topic, go ahead, pull out your phone, take a picture of it. We'll leave it up for a little second. We've got The Bondage Breaker by Neil Anderson and Freedom in Christ Ministries. And we got Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. Uh, Sorry, couldn't read there for a second. So go ahead. That is going to be the resources for this talk. And we are continuing our talk on family matters, right? And so I have, t I have titled the talk for today, and it says, the cycle stops with you. The cycle stops with you. So Father God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you open our hearts and open our minds, Lord God, that we will receive the word that is coming, Lord God, that everything out of my lips be coming straight from you, Father God, that it not be from me, Lord. And we pray total and complete breakthrough. We come against the spirit of darkness. We come against every bondage and every stronghold over our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let's hear it, church. Amen. Amen. And so we've been discussing the family. And so far, we can t say that the family, our families, are the single most impactful beings on our life, yeah. right? There's no one else that we spend more time with than our family, right? We spend hours, minutes, days, and years with these people, okay? <laughs> they are impacting our lives. They are the most important beings that we are a part of, and they're the most important group we will ever belong to, even more than the church, because the Bible says that our first ministry is what? The family, right? And so just reiterating this verse, I was like, Lord, I've been watching the um, preachings as they come, and I'm like, no, they're taking my Bible verse. No, no, I'm using that one. And God's like, no, no, say it again because we, the people need to hear it. And I'm like, all right, Lord. Psalm 127, 4 and 5, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with the opponents in court. That's powerful, right? We can go up against enemies with our family. So the most powerful group will be long to. So my family, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my family, the Rosa, not the Rosa Garcia family, but the Rosa Vargas family. Um, we have a gift of teaching in our family. And so my paternal grandmother was a Sunday school teacher. And then my dad, that gift of teaching uh, passed down to my dad, who was a principal. Uh, he might have been your principal here in the, in the city of Bridgeport. His name is Neville Rosa, Mr. Rosa. So if you went to Harding or Bassick, he was your principal, right? He might have thrown you out of school too, but we won't talk about that. He, he was Zai's principal. He was Joey's principal. I know all about it. He was Cindy's principal. Okay, look it. Big up to Mr. Rosa. Um, and actually, he just a little bit of Bridgeport history. He was the first Puerto Rican principal in the city of Bridgeport. The first one. 
the first one. And so um, my dad was a principal and my mom was a teacher. And that gift of teaching, right, it went from grandma, which she taught for like 60-something years, then my dad and my mom, and now I teach through Pure Love and Health Ministries now, and I'm teaching in front of you guys. And so I'm not a preacher. I'm a teacher. They call Jesus a teacher. I'm more of a teacher. And so I'm going to teach today, and I'm, that's some of the good things that were passed on in my family. But today we're going to talk about some generational cycles and habits that aren't so good. All right, we're going to identify those things, okay? So point number one in this teaching is family matters create historical patterns. Family matters create historical patterns. And I want to focus on that historical, history, right? There are roots in history behind our actions, decision-making, habits, thoughts, and the way we view the world. There's a link to that. It's rooted somewhere. And so one worldview I'll share that my, in my family growing up, as I said, we, I come from an educational family, is you can't be successful without a college degree. And if I tell my mom this, my mom's like, I never told you guys. I never said that, right? Like when you tell them, remember when she smacked me and this and this happened? My mom's like, I never did that. And all your siblings are like, yes, you did, right? It's one of those moments. And she's like, They're like, I never said that. That's not what it was. And it's like, mom, but when you said that, if we don't go to college and you're going to kick us out and we're on our own at 18, that kind of implied that, like, college was really important, right? And so that was a theme in our house. And so we all went to college. And that mindset kind of stuck in our family. Now, if I don't have time to do this now, but if you were in a purity and peace session with me, we'd go around the room and say, okay, what's the theme of your family and yours and yours? And we'd all come up with some themes, right, that are passed on. These family patterns can include sins, struggles, fears, shortcomings, and they all have a history. Now you're asking, how far back are we talking? When we say it has a history, how far back does it go? That's a great question, class. Exodus 20, 4 to 6, says the following. Can we put that that verse up for me? Exodus 20, 4 to 6. You guys can pull that out. This is when God is giving Moses the Ten Commandments, okay? He says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Keep going. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and that the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Keep going. It's Exodus 20, four, verses 4 to 6. Exodus 20, verses 4 to 6. Nope. Exodus 20, verses 4 to 6. Sorry. Sorry, church. My, my notes didn't upload in a way for me to have my verses in here, but I promise I did have them. Let's see if it'll upload now. Exodus chapter 20, there we go. 
5 and 6, it just, it just refreshed. Thank you, Jesus. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. He says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing a steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You heard that? Third and fourth generation the punishment, but the love is to the thousandth. All right. Just keep that in mind. Exodus 34, six and seven. This is where Moses is saying, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God says again, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so in those two verses, we got Exodus 25 and 6 and Exodus 34, 6 to 7. We're seeing the character of God. He's revealing his character here. And he's saying, I want to bless you when you put me first. I want to bless you to the thousandth generation. Unlimited blessings is for you. An extended blessing for you. But don't get it twisted. I will punish you for the unrepented sin to the third and fourth generation. Don't get it twisted, right? And I'm like, okay, God, I ain't ain't trying to, I don't want to test you. I don't want to test you, Jesus. So, The blessing extends to the thousandth, but the punishment for not putting God first in our lives, the impact of unrepented, undealt with sin of our fathers can impact us up until the third and fourth generation. Let's do the math, church. One generation is 40 years. Multiply that by three or four, right? Third and fourth, we'll multiply it by four because we'll overestimate equals 160 years. So get this, what someone did in your family lineage 160 years ago, if it was unrepented, undealt with, you could be dealing with it today. That means, let's put it into real terms, mid-1800s, this generation, someone in your family in the mid-1800s did something, that pattern could have been passed down, if not dealt with, right, to us. So my questions are class. What unhealthy patterns and cycles did your family create and pass down that are affecting you today? But looking forward, what unhealthy patterns and cycles are you creating today that can be passed down to your children's children's children? We got to talk about it. We serve a God whose blessings is unlimited, endless blessing, thousandth generation, right? But we have an enemy who knows the character of God, who wants to manipulate that. He wants to make sure your family is stuck for the third and fourth generation. He knows where he's going and he wants to take us down with him. There is a fight between good and evil. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Our fight is not in the flesh. It's in the spirit. We know that, but we're fighting in the flesh. Your father is your enemy, not the devil. 
You're fighting this. You're upset with him because he rejected you. But it's the enemy. And so today the talk is about when we give the enemy a foothold in our lives by way of sin over and over again, it can become a stronghold in our lives that's not easily broken. And it could eventually become a cycle that's passed on in your family. And so how do we stop the cycle? That's what we're going to talk about. We need to point to ask God to reveal the mystery of your family's history. Ask God to reveal the mystery of your family's history. And guess what? For some of us, it ain't a mystery. We know the tea. Grandma done told us the tea. We know what's up. Right? Titi Lee told us the tea. Those are the best people to get it, get it from. Auntie, go out on a date with auntie. She got, she got the goods. She will tell you what's up. But listen, history repeats itself. Why does history repeat itself? I have one reason. At our most critical and most sensitive ages, our main way of learning is by modeling. Okay, Albert Bandura, this is a psychological term. He created the observation learning theory. And that states that children learn good and bad behaviors by observing good and bad things, right? So let's test this theory out. Anybody here a parent, grandparent? This is what you're going to do this week. Pick one cuss word. Not a lot. We don't want to infiltrate them a lot. Pick one cuss word. Say over and over and over again this week. Next Sunday, tell me your findings. You think those kids are going to be saying that word? Yes. All right. That's the theory. The theory is monkey see, monkey do. We say, we say it all the time. What they see, they do. At a tender age, some of us saw things modeled to us that impacted our behaviors greatly. You saw a dad who was being abusive and you wonder why you want to slap that woman in the face when she gets off. You saw a mom who had multiple lovers in and out of your house as a child, and you wonder why you have commitment issues. You saw aunts who are disrespectful to authority, and you wonder why you can't stand when someone tells you what to do. You saw grandfathers who inappropriately touch women and children, and you wonder why you're addicted to pornography and watching children. If your parents, siblings, aunts, uncles are modeling poor behavior and expose you at a very tender age we're likely to pick up these behaviors very young we we learn by modeling in fact christ uses that learning the way that we learn for discipleship paul even says in first corinthians 11:1 1, he says follow me as i follow christ modeling. It's so important. And that's why history repeats itself. And the enemy knows that we're, we're, um, innocent as children and impactful. What is that called? We're susceptible as children. And this is where most of our learning happens. The second reason why history repeats itself is it's biblical. Galatians six, seven, and nine says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. God is not mocked. For what a man sows, what? He reaps. You know that. You know that word. For one who sows in his own flesh will from flesh reap corruption. But one who sows in the spirit 
will reap the spirit of eternal life. What are we sowing? What are we sowing in the ground? Your children are fields. Pastor said this in the, the first session. He said, your children are fields and actions are seeds. And seeds were planted into your life as children. And as adults, you're reaping fruit from it. So let's look at list of common familial patterns. I put them all up here. I don't want to go through all of them. I know I have to keep going, but let's go. Adultery, divorce, alcoholism on this side. We have pregnancy out of wedlock, can't sustain a relationship, commitment issues, irresponsible parent, neglect, rejection, right? Look at this briefly. Take an honest assessment. Listen, this takes honesty. This is why people avoid Pure Love and Health Ministries because they know I'm going to get them in a small group and we're going to be like, what's really going on in your life? And this is hard soul work, right? It doesn't end at the salvation prayer up here. This is a continual thing we got to work out. We have to take an honest assessment of our family history and look at your family cycles within the last four generations. Take a picture of it. Go ahead. Take your moment. No shame in that. Begin to identify patterns and sinful cycles in your family history. Because in, in step three, and point number three, we got to break. We got to break these things. Right? The cycle ends with you. And so let's go to the next slide. List of ways we can invite. So there's cycles in our families and themes in our families. But then guess what? We can invite things by doing things, new things, into our lives. So I can't go too deeply into all these, but it's important. And I got to take a moment. Religious. Any other thing that goes against biblical practices, right? The occult, New Age, Mormonism, Islam, witchcraft, Santeria, Wicca, all the way down. Even down to blaspheming God. New Age practices, some of them seem like not a big deal. Ouija boards, tarot cards, palm readings, horoscopes. Listen, believing false prophecies. Being a false prophet in the church. Okay? Allowing yourself to be a medium. Opening up our minds or not being sober in mind. We only think that it's drunkenness. It's not. It's more than that. Drunkenness, drugs, any drug that puts you in a high, right? Transcendental meditation, like Buddhist meditation, right? hypnotism, right? Why? Because when we have an idle mind, who's in control? If God's not in control and you're not in control, who's in control of your mind? Sexual, fornication, adultery. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get put uh, in trouble for this one. That's okay. Orgies, pornography, watching it and participating in it. Lustful thoughts, abortion, same-sex sexual experiences. Now, this is not temptation. We're not talking about the temptation. We're all tempted, right? And this is not to shame anybody. This is not about shame. This is about the enemy is trying to kill, steal, destroy you from by using... These things, it's not to say, oh, the church is sending me to hell. No, the devil's trying to send you to hell, my brother and sister. The devil wants you to die. The devil's coming for your family, and he wants to take you down with him. This is not about shame. It's about freedom. Next slide. Personality, personality, pride, arrogance, judgment, right? Critical, self-absorbed, self-harm, cutting, and self-inflicted wounds. These are all openings and doors that the enemy can touch us. We allow him. See, the enemy can't touch you unless you give him an opening. He cannot. He can't even read your mind. 
He can't do it. We allow him to. Another thing, prostitution, sex slave, BDSM sex, dominatrix, voluntary victim or voluntary slave, unhealthy thoughts, fantasizing murder, fantasizing sex, suicidal thoughts, hurting others, thoughts about hating God. These things are all coming from the devil every day, generation by generation. Ephesians chapter 6, those flaming arrows they're talking about, boom. I'm putting a name to it because we can't break it unless we identify it, all right? Miscellaneous, see, I didn't even, I didn't even put the biological, right? Cancer, diabetes, I didn't even go into that. I'm just talking about actions right now and seeds. Miscellaneous, why? Because we don't, sometimes we really don't know what's up in our family and we need to sit and ask the Holy Spirit to show us, God, what is going on here? What, what opened up here and we get a word of knowledge or God gives us that insight, take an honest assessment of your personal history and begin to identify the patterns. Let's move on to the next. So let's take a look down history lane. The next slide, please. is going to be, let's look at biblical family cycles, people in the Bible and their biblical cycles. I want to talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were a hot mess. And that's okay. That's okay because we all are. But I, we want to, right? We know, look at these names. You're like, man, God used these people greatly, right? He could still use us. It's not about that. He could still use us in our foolishness. But Jesus came so we can break the cycle. And so Abraham lied twice about his wife. Then he had Isaac. And Isaac and Rebekah, their whole marriage was characterized by lies. The whole thing. Jacob, then, his name literally meant deceiver. He deceived his dad with the help of his mom for the birthright. And then he was deceived, in turn, right, for the hands of his his wives. Let's go to Jacob's children. Ten of Jacob's children lied about Joseph's death. They faked a funeral, and they kept a family secret for over ten years. Anybody here got family secrets? Let's talk about it. We don't got time. Join my period in peace session. We'll talk all about it. I promise you. I promise you. We won't have time. We don't have time. We will talk all about it. Judah, the son of Jacob, lied to Tamar, telling her he would send her away until his youngest son got older. And then he got, he got uh, deceived by Tamar. All types of, well, what's the spirit going on in here, guys? Lies, deception, right? So this is where you come to me when you're, Judah's coming to purity and maturity, right? This is, this is Judah. He's coming to purity and maturity session, and he's telling me all this stuff. And as a minister, I'm talking to my small group leaders here. You got to be able to discern. Okay there's, a, okay, there's a spirit of lies and deception going on in your family. We need to break that in Jesus' name. Next slide, please. Let's talk about Jesse, King David, and King Solomon, another hot mess. I love it. David's parents. The Bible tells us, we don't know all the details, but the Bible tells us in these scriptures that David was born illegitimately. He was an illegitimate child, right? That's why he was in the field somewhere. They lined up all the children. He was like somewhere else. David has a man killed so he can sleep with Bathsheba. We know about that, right? There was some illegitimate stuff going on here. And then we have Solomon, who was the biggest womanizer of all. Lots of wives, lots of concubines. That escalated quickly. Escalated really quickly. And that's what happens. 
And so what is your family cycle? If I put this up, I, I didn't do it. You thought, you thought I was going to put mine up there. <laughs> you thought I was going to, nah, mom and dad, we good. Don't worry. They're watching. If you're watching on eChurch, we good. I ain't going to do that to us today. Maybe in my book, but not in here, okay? <laughs> so what is your family cycle? Draw it out. Reflect back to move forward. Point number three, you got to reflect back to move forward, not to dwell. We're not going back and dwelling because in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, God says, remember not the former things. I am doing a new thing. Don't consider the things of old. We're not trying to dwell there. We're just trying to reflect so that we know how to move forward. So we know what needs to be broken, right? And so reject, the way we do this is reject Renew and accept. What do we have to reject? You verbally have to renounce in prayer any sinful family pattern that conflicts with God's word. It's not just rejecting and repenting. We always say repent. Why? Because then like I got into this cycle of sin, repent, sin, repent, same sin, right? Sin, repent, sin, repent. The secret here is reject, repent, you got to resist. That's good. That's good. It doesn't stop with just repent. You have to resist. So let's look at the scriptures. First John 1 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We got to confess it verbally. Devil can't read your mind. So when your family, when we do things that are sinful, right? The enemies, and we do it over and over again. It, it could become a stronghold in our life. Why? Because the enemy's like, this, you know, you can go to heaven when you die, but while you're on earth, this like fornication thing, that's mine. I'm going to take, this is my area. And that's why we try in our flesh and we can't, we have to confess the sin. God is faithful and he will forgive you and cleanse you. Ephesians 6, 12, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is our issue. We're trying to, we're trying to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to do this 10-step program. You're trying to do it in your own power. Can I give you a secret? Your flesh is no power over the devil. The Bible says the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we try to fight against these patterns in our flesh with 10-step programs and a counselor, not to say I'm all about counseling, but that's not the only way we got to do. We got to do it. What in the spirit it says is it is against authorities, against rulers, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evils and heavenly places. We don't wrestle against it with flesh and blood. We got to wrestle with it in the spirit. And so we confess we're going to wrestle with it in the spirit. You're going to pray. And James 4, 7 says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Resist. What does that mean? You might need an accountability partner. So when you want to watch that porn, you got to call them up. I'll tell you a quick thing. When, um, when I was going to marry DJ, we were already engaged. Sis was feeling hot. Like, I was like, oh, I'm not going to make it to the altar pure because this guy is looking fine. And I just, I can't, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give in. And I was at Cornerstone Christian Center that time. And pastor never stops the service for prayer, like ever. I don't think he ever did it again after this, but he knew sis needed prayer. So I, he stops the service. He's like, men with men, women with women, I feel like somebody needs help. You know, somebody needs prayer. 
I turned to the girl next to me. I didn't even know her name. Her name is Erin White. I know her well now, but at the time I didn't know her name. I'm like, sis, I need you to pray for me because I'm feeling real hot and I'm not going to make it to my wedding day pure. Like I need like a prayer over me. And she, that was my way to resist. You see what I'm saying? Like, I was like, listen, I'm weak right now. My flesh is weak. My spirit is willing, but I'm about to jump this boy. So if someone don't pray over me right now, can I keep it real? This boy is looking fine. How dare he? That's rude and inconsiderate. Rude and inconsiderate. E-church, put rude in the comments. Rude and inconsiderate to my feelings. I need you to pray for me, Erin. And she didn't even judge me, nothing. She was like, I got you. Didn't even know my name. She was like, Father God, I pray, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I made it to that altar. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Guess what? He's got to flee. And where two or more are gathered, he got to go even more. Because if you ain't going to kick his butt in the spirit, I sure will. You better come up to this altar. Okay? This is hard. This is a hard step to reject and verbally renounce. You know why? Because it's going to require us to submit habits and reject family traditions. Some of those things I put up there, you guys are like, that's a family tradition that are meaningful to you, and it's going to call you to repent. It's a hard step. That's why we don't do it. So we're like, I'm, I can repent and then think that Jesus is going to wash away all my sins, and I'm going to be great, and everything's going to be great, but you're still struggling with an addiction, and it's real. Or you're still struggling with anger, and you're mad, mad, and it's real. And Jesus needs to be, like, helping you out, but you're unwilling to repent and, and reject and submit and resist. We got to resist and you can do it. Number two, you got to renew your mind. So once you reject, you got to say, you know what? This is wrong. And sometimes that belief system, because you've been thinking this is right. And my mama said it was right. And my grandmama said it was right. And my grandma, grandma, and this was the way they taught me is wrong. It's sinful, and we have to renew our mind. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By that testing, you may discern what is the will of God. How many people here want to know the will of God? I do. Guess what? It comes to renewing your mind. It is a constant process. Are we good on time? We're good on time. Thank you, Jesus. We have to renew our mind. You know why? Because thoughts become actions. If we entertain the thought long enough, do I have a testimony in the house? If we had time, I'd put you up here. Trust me. Thoughts become action. Entertain it enough. So we got to renew our mind. We got to reject like, nah, I'm not thinking that anymore. New thoughts create new behaviors, but that takes time. This is why a quiet time with Jesus is so important. We got to level up our quiet time. Your devotional is real cute. It's cute. It's cute. I like it. But that next level on that daily devotional, you know what was my devotional for a while? Rick Warren's. I love Rick Warren. I ain't trying to put him down. But Rick Warren, I would put it on, and I would drive to work, and I'm like, yes, Jesus, right, multitasking and doing all that. God was like, sis, daughter, that ain't a quiet time. 
<laughs> that is not a quiet time, right? We got to get into the presence of God so he can tell us uh, no distractions. This is what's up with your family. This is how the devil's trying to kill you. And you go, in Jesus' name, I reject addiction in my life. In Jesus' name, I resist. You got to resist. You got to resist. Renew your mind. Number three is accept the love and a new way of living as part of his family. Listen, Jesus loves you so much. It said to the thousandth generation. Do you know anybody who's blessing you for thousands and thousands of years other than God? He wants to bless you. But the enemy, he doesn't want you to be blessed. He wants you to fall. True salvation and repentance, the fruit of true salvation. How do I know you're really saved? Is that you have put off the sinful patterns of this world. And that includes the bad habits that our family taught us. That includes relearning how to do God's life way. You could, you could clap for that. That's okay. We got to put it off. We got to, there's a relationship that has to be severed with those things about your family that you love. They're gossips. I get it. You get, you get together, have a good time. Like, woo, we talk about this person and that person. You got to cut it off because it's trying to kill you. It's trying to kill your children. It's trying to kill your grandchildren. And it seems so little, right? Abraham only lied to his wife two times, twice. But by the time we got to the end of the cycle, a whole family secret for 10 years, it grows, it multiplies. In Christ, our future is not determined. Listen, this is my favorite part. In Christ, that was Old Testament. We read the law. Even though God's law, he don't change. But Christ, that's the change maker. In him, my biological family don't determine my future. God determines my future. All right, they're not going to determine. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37, whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In Matthew 12, 46 through 50, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood aside. That's Matthew 12, 46 through 50. His mother and brother stood outside and wanting to speak to him. And someone said, hey, your mom and dad are standing outside and they want to speak to you. And he replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to the disciples. And he said, that's my mother and brother. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Listen, number one, Jesus knew our families would be flawed. That's why he's saying this. Number two. True discipleship. If I, if I get anything of this, of this preaching and teaching, true discipleship includes the spirit of adoption. You are grafted in to God's family. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 8, 15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves any longer for that you live in fear again, rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. You have been grafted into God's family, and we call him Father. That means God is our Father. That means we bear his image. We bear his fruit. 
And as God's family, I'm talking to all small group leaders here. Listen, every leader in the church, every leader that pours into a disciple and you have disciples, as God's family, we have a responsibility to disciple people as if they're our own. Some of the people in your small group that are coming through your small group, they cut themselves off completely from their biological family when they came to Christ. Because they don't have, they can't afford to go to family parties and drink with them. Or they're going to, this third and fourth generation thinks they can't afford They've cut themselves off completely. And so when they come into this building, this is their family gathering. And listen, church, I love, love, love you. I love the church and I love the bride. But we got to get this right. We got to love the hell out of people. Like literally kick the hell out. Our love for people has to be on them so much. We got to do this right, this family thing right, because we take the patterns of division from our earthly family and we come into God's family and we try to have that clicky thing here in God's family and that ain't going to work. It's not working. The spirit of adoption, what does that mean? When you adopt someone, they are your own. In fact, in Jewish, my husband always tells me this, in Jewish tradition, they can, they can uh, separate themselves and divorce from a biological family, but if they adopt you, you're there no matter what. That's how serious they take adoption. The spirit of adoption is serious. It's as if you are real blood family. And we have to love our family, our church family so much. And that goes for the folks who are in here. You're here. You're like, I'm not going to graft myself in. I was church hurt. So I'm going to hang out in the foyer. I'm going to come in, cry, run out of here. No, the body of Christ is here for, to be a family to you. That's the expectation that Jesus provided for us. True discipleship is family. And those, I mean, Stephen Plaza, they're like, why are you guys so close? He's family. We grew up at the church right here on Cancock. We grew up like family. We are family. That's my brother in Christ. So many others. Jonathan Colon grew up with us in Good Shepherd. Family. It's, it's what it is. And that feels so good. Let me tell you, my family is in Christ. But I'll tell you, when I can remember and tell you times when serious stuff came up in my life where we lost a family member and we didn't have to worry about a thing. My church family was there. Food trains, food was coming in and out of the house. They were ordering things. They were doing things for us. Without my family in Christ, where would I be? Would I be up here with you? No. It's not just my parents who raised me. It takes a village. Christ is so faithful and loving. His sacrifice on the cross is so powerful that no family cycle lasts forever. No family cycle lasts forever. One drip of his blood. When we reject God's love and being a part of his family, we succumb to the biological cycle. But when we accept Christ's love and forgiveness, we claim him as Lord over our lives. We give Christ permission to give us a new future. We have to accept his love and forgiveness. One, we have to forgive ourselves. But we have to accept his love and forgiveness. And then it pours out of us. 
And so if you have a family cycle, the cycle stops with you. We all do, right? There's something that's trying to kill, steal, and destroy from us in our lineage, right? The good news is your generational cycle can be broken today. It can be broken right now, right? The cycle stops with you in the decision to accept Christ in every area of your life, not just Lord and Savior and, and having him as your Lord and Savior in a way that's, okay, I'm not going to deal with anything, but no, letting him get into your junk, letting him get into the third and fourth, exposing those cycles and stopping the cycle. It begins with you. We got to reject. We got to renew our minds. And we got to accept. And so I want to give you a little bit of time. We got a little bit of time. Because some of you have to reject, renew, and accept right now. Jesus is trying to do something different with this house. We got a word from Kevin Butterfield this week. And it's all about consecration. I believe that this is not a coincidence that we're talking about this because God's trying to clean house citywide. He's trying to do something different with you. And he's trying to do something new with our future for the next 160 years that are ahead of us. He's trying to do something great. And so if I could have the worship team come up. We're just going to put our hands up in the air. If you need to put your hand on your heart, if you feel like in this process vomiting, that is completely normal. I just want to tell you that. Not to scare anybody, but that's normal. It is because God's trying to clean house. You can go to the bathroom and, and puke. That's okay. That's completely normal. If you're at home and you just feel the spirit and you've got to let it out, God's trying to clean house. Not to scare anybody, but I, I say that because when we do these things, God's trying to clean. And yes, we do vomit. There's certain things that happen in the physical that's got to come out of us. And I just want you to know, don't hold back. Just let it go. Just let it go. How many people here are, are ready to break some generational cycles? All right.